1: The first thing is that if parents themselves experience clinically significant anxiety, their children are four to six times more likely themselves to experience difficult anxiety. And that's really because anxiety has multiple sources and components, and one of them is biological. And so that when there is anxiety in a family, it is not surprising to see it in kids. I think what you're describing and using the word cyclic is really something that we're all familiar with, which is that anxiety and fear can be contagious in a way, right? So when a person is anxious, the people around them will see their feeling of worry, their feeling of fear, and that can induce a similar feeling in them. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the
0: show. I continue to get to talk to the most amazing guests on this podcast to have conversations about parenthood, child health, development, mental health, and so much more. So thank you for tuning in and for being here today. Today's guest is Dr. Helen Egger, who is a child psychiatrist, former chair of the Department of Child Psychiatry at NYU Langone, and co-founder and chief medical officer of Little Otter, a company that provides online mental health care to children and families. And she's joining me today to talk about how parental anxiety can actually impact childhood anxiety. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Helen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really delighted to be here. I'm very excited about this topic, obviously with your experience as well in child psychiatry and helping children and families with mental health. But tell us more about yourself and why this topic is important to you.
1: Well, thank you. Yes. So I have been a child psychiatrist for over 30 years. And one of the areas that I have done research in is anxiety disorders in children, particularly very little children. So anxiety in children to five years old. And I think part of my interest in the area of anxiety came from my own personal experience, being anxious as a child. And I'm also a mother of four children and have also dealt with and managed my children's own anxiety. So I think this is such an important topic and something that really, I think, has gotten even more difficult for both children and families over the last difficult three years.
0: Oh, absolutely. As a pediatrician, I'm seeing so much more anxiety and even earlier, you know, in age and even before the pandemic, I've seen it as well. Parents coming in with younger children or concerns of if certain physical symptoms are actual signs of anxiety, which is very common in younger children. You know, sometimes they may not say, mommy, I'm anxious, um, but they'll have tummy aches or headaches or things like that, that we're trying to Mm -hmm. determine, is this something just a tummy ache or is this something like school avoidance, school anxiety, um, social anxiety. There's a lot of components here. And I'm, again, excited to talk to you. And the conversation that we're having is, is there a kind of connection here? You know, you said you kind of learn more about your experience with anxiety and also your children. So do you see a cyclical effect of childhood anxiety and parental anxiety more so? Is it that the child's anxiety can cause parents to get anxious or vice
1: versa or both? Do you see that? So, we absolutely do, and it goes in both directions. But let's pull the lens back a little bit first. It's important to understand that anxiety, particularly clinically significant anxiety, comes from multiple sources and one of those is genetic and biological so that if a parent or a family member has an anxiety disorder, the child is four to six times more likely to also have an anxiety disorder. So that's really the first thing that we need to think about and if you are a person experiencing anxiety as a parent, you want to be very aware and alert to your children's level of anxiety. Anxiety and fears. But I think the other thing is something that's familiar to all of us that fear in some ways can be contagious, right? If someone is scared. Mm-hmm you're expressing worry in your environment and people around you can also become worried and afraid. And so that dynamic between parents is something that it's so important to be aware of. And I look forward to giving you some tips about how to manage it because it can feel overwhelming and not manageable to have that kind of back and forth anxiety and fear.
0: Absolutely. And I think sometimes when parents hear this, you know, like I'm going to give example of mothers who have a newborn with postpartum anxiety, the mom, yes. right? I'm using an example of when I talk about colic, right? Colic is a very interesting thing because colic is, means that there's no medical issue, right? We've ruled right. out anything medical. I mm-hmm. want to be clear here because sometimes people are like, no, my child had colic, but had a milk protein allergy or had reflux. That is reflux or milk protein right. allergy. Right, I'm right. talking about colic as its own Entity, no other medical issue, colic, there's also some idea that it could be cyclical, right? Meaning the child's upset or cranky and then the mother's stressed, worried that she can't calm the baby down, gets nervous. The parents are fidgeting and sort of passing the baby around. And it's not until the parents kind of take a breath and calm down that the baby finally falls asleep. We see this and I see this mm-hmm. in my office mm-hmm. often. So the reason I'm bringing it up is that I think sometimes parents feel well, it's my fault, you know, oh my gosh, well, I'm so anxious and I'm causing this for my child. And I hope people understand that this is more so that, like you said, that we can really be in tune to our feelings so that we can get the skills or get the help that we need so that we're not feeling super anxious about everything and that your child isn't feeling anxious. So it is a self-help improvement thing and not a shameful thing, because I believe that too. You know, I think it's so important that we're in tune with our mental health our, our things that are making us nervous, the things that are causing us to have fear for ourselves. And like you said, also because our children can sense that as
1: well. Yeah. And I think it's also really important for us to talk about what anxiety is, right? Mm -hmm. Because anxiety is something that everybody feels and everybody experiences. And that's a good thing. It protects us from danger. It helps us identify um, and be aware of our environment so that what we want to think about is not sort of what is typical anxiety, but when is a person, whether it's a parent or a child, when is their anxiety so pervasive and uncontrollable that it is impacting their ability to function or it's Mm -hmm. impacting other people?
0: Oh, this is so important. And, you know, going back to your comment about genetics, right? Obviously, yes, I agree that there is some genetic component like we're talking about, but what I've always wondered, so with something like anxiety, do you find that it could be hard to determine if it's genetic or environmental? Giving an example. So if I grew up with a dad who had anxiety, right? I grew up seeing how he responded to certain situations and I also started to respond the same way. Now, if I was removed from that home and was raised by parents who did not have those tendencies, I'm talking about the physical mannerisms that can come with anxiety, right? The pacing, the biting of the nails, the nervousness that you're seeing in that environment. So is it that it's truly genetic or is it that there's also that environmental component? It's hard to know because if it's you remove yourself- It's yeah, both,
1: it really is both. When we think about the genetic component. Mm -hmm. That's not like we know what's going to happen. Think about it as a risk. So it means the way that your nervous system is built, the way that your brain is wired, gives you the propensity to be able to react in a more anxious or fearful way. But what you're describing is that what happens to us and what our experiences are, both in terms of modeling, as you're describing with your dad, but also other kinds of experiences that we have are going to shape whether our anxiety gets expressed in a way that has a negative impact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is so fascinating to me because it's this whole nature nurture, like if you're removed from an environment and raised by people who weren't having those anxiety tendencies, you know, just by watching, like, could you not present that like the child? It's just an interesting conversation.
1: But I think it's important to realize when people talk about, is it this or that? Mm -hmm. These are really different components that are contributing really to people's emotional makeup, right? Yes. And I think the other thing that's important to recognize is that children who are anxious often also have heightened sensitivity to other people. They have increased empathy. They have real attention to their environment. So like anything, like, um, you know, it's not like anxiety is bad, Anxiety is part of life, and children who are at a higher risk for anxiety will also have strengths and capacities that are going to help them in life. So I think that what I say to parents, and I feel like this is my most important message I'd want to share, is our goal as parents is to help our children manage their anxiety, not to make their anxiety go away. So it's by learning skills to deal with our fears and anxiety that kids function better and anxiety goes down and doesn't impair their functioning. And one of the big ways that you can see the cycle that you described, right, the cycle between parent anxiety and child anxiety Mm -hmm. is avoidance.
0: Explains. box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active.
1: So many adults who themselves have anxiety or had anxiety when they were children find it so upsetting when their own children experience anxiety. It's Mm -hmm. painful. We see that they're in distress. We see that they're suffering. So an example I would give, let's say a kid is having trouble separating and going to school, right? Mm -hmm. One of our first instincts as a parent is to fold our children in our arms and take them away from this situation that is making them so unhappy. Mm -hmm. And that is a a way of dealing with anxiety that we call avoidance. And the problem is, while avoidance can seem to be solving the anxiety problem in the moment, it's actually making it worse. So, the message that you're giving your child when you help your child avoid an anxious situation is boy, you're right. This is mm-hmm. a scary, dangerous situation. And I'm going to step in as your mom or your dad and take you away from this scary situation. And the message we really want to give children is I'm here to help you through the anxiety and the fear that you're experiencing so that you can go do this thing, in this case, going to school. And so I think that One of the reasons that parents, and I'll speak for myself here, because my kids had a lot of anxiety, that their anxiety and distress made me feel really anxious. Mm -hmm. We think to ourselves, I'm helping my child. But in some ways, it's also helping us by lowering our anxiety. And that's the cycle that is really not a healthy cycle that we want to help parents and children find better solutions to that kind of situation.
0: Oh, what a great point. Because yes, you're right. I'm a mom of a toddler. And I talk a lot about this, you know, especially speaking of a lot of our children in the pandemic, right? You know, they're a little more cautious, if you will, like they need Mm -hmm. a little more time, maybe to adjust to a social activity or a party or things like that. And yes, what you're bringing up, like if you were like that as a child, it's uncomfortable for you, right? So much Mm -hmm. of parenting and so much of what we do as parents comes from our childhood or comes from who we are and the insecurities we may have with our feelings. And it goes back to the negative stigma, like we're talking about, of anxiety. And I love the way you're phrasing it because it's so important for people to hear that anxiety is a common human emotion Mm -hmm. and it's evolutionary. It's biological. We have anxiety to protect ourselves from all these animals in the caveman era, right? Mm -hmm. It's important that we're not constantly like, oh, this is not a threat. There's not a car coming in my rear view that's about to hit me. This is completely fine. Like you have to have some level of alarm, but it's It's when you said, like you said perfectly, and we see this commonly in parents, it's when that alarm overtakes you and starts to consume your thoughts and everything about you. And so I think this is such an important conversation. I think one of my biggest questions, and I'm sure we could do a whole hour long more episode Mm -hmm. about this, but how can we address our child's anxiety while simultaneously managing our own fear? Like what you just said, that example that it makes you feel uncomfortable as a parent. So you're thinking, okay, let me pull them out of the situation. But how can you tell yourselves as an adult, hey, we need to actually combat this situation. We need to figure out what to do versus also trying to retreat because you're scared.
1: Okay, so I think there's a few things that we need to talk about here. I think the very first thing is that if a parent is experiencing anxiety that's really Causing them a negative impact or they think is impacting their child, please get mental health care, because we have such good treatments and interventions for clinically significant anxiety. I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about different kinds of anxiety, but people can have anxiety that's we call generalized anxiety, and that's a lot of worrying, particularly worrying mm-hmm. about things that will happen. There can be social anxiety, which is anxiety about social interactions and being with people. We see separation anxiety, which is really prominent we see in children, but we've actually learned that adults can experience separation anxiety also. And that's when you feel overwhelming fear and worry when you're separated from a loved one. Mm -hmm. And then there are, you know, phobias and some other kinds of anxiety. But I think what people don't recognize is that you don't have to suffer. Yes. (laughs) And that there is help. And there is such strength when parents seek out help for themselves. And that's why the company that I founded, Little Otter, which, by the way, I co-founded with my daughter, Our approach is focused on the whole family. We say you don't bring a problem child to Little Otter. You join Little Otter as a family, and we take care of the whole family. So we don't just do child mental health, we do parent mental health, couple counseling, parenting support. And so often for kids' anxiety, for me as a psychiatrist, I want to understand what the parents are experiencing and make sure they're getting the help that they need, because that's going to put them in the best position to be able to help their child manage their fears and anxieties.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, because it is, I mean, we can't focus only on saying, okay, the child has anxiety. It's not mm-hmm. anything to do with me. Like right. it, it obviously is a family unit, especially with mental health. I mean, you know, physical health is also something, right? Like we talk about if you're eating something, then your child will model, it, but also how we cope with fears and stress is also something that our children are always looking at. And it's Absolutely. so important to always recognize that. And somehow, some way, mental health always gets put in the back burner. You know, mm-hmm. we tend to focus more so on physical health. Okay, I need to exercise, which obviously helps with mental health. It does to help degree. with anxiety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <so. laughs> yes. But like, you know, there's so much focus on that, but not like, hey, I need to be in tune with myself. That, like you said beautifully, if you're not feeling right and you explained all the different types of anxiety, I think. Beautiful. Of course, we could go into more detail, but I think that's for another episode. But yeah, like if you're feeling like this is not something you can handle and that it's just getting to be too consuming. I absolutely agree. And I see the benefits like so many of my peers, by the way, have had especially in postpartum, right? It can happen Mm -hmm. anytime in your life. But that first year, I've seen so many mothers have postpartum anxiety or depression or both and just not get the help. And then they realize two, three years later how they weren't present, how they were scared all the time, how they couldn't sleep because they were petrified. Something was going to happen to their child. And I tell them, I'm like- this is anxiety. Like you should be able to rest when your baby's resting. Like you shouldn't be so on guard that something's going to happen. And if that's happening to you, we need to get you help because absolutely, it's not fun living like that. Like, I can't imagine, like I've had my bouts of anxiety, but I didn't have that level of postpartum anxiety. And I'm just like, that is not a comfortable feeling. And that also potentially can't be great for you. And, you know, also for the child, like, I want you to feel like you're
1: in a good space. Yeah, and I'd like to frame this in thinking about the question, when should I worry about my anxiety and when should I worry about my child's anxiety? Mm -hmm. So as I talked about before, anxiety is this alarm system that enables us to respond to danger and it's normal. But concerning anxiety occurs, and you use the alarm example, which is perfect, when you're not in danger, yet the alarm is going off. You're feeling this persistent, unmanageable, distressing, overwhelming anxiety, and it's impacting your ability to function. You said about sleep, or if it's interfering with you being able to be present and connecting with your child or your partner. So those are the signs that you can use to go get treatment or get an evaluation and possible treatment because treatment involves learning skills about how to manage anxiety. And it's really important for parents to learn those because they'll be able to model them for their children. And there's a similar question with children. Are the fears or anxiety that my little one is feeling, is this typical Or is this concerning? And one thing I will share is as an early childhood mental health person that at the age of three, Mm -hmm. fears are very common in children. It's actually the peak time throughout childhood of having fears and worries. And so it's interesting to be aware developmentally And three, I think, is that tipping point because kids are starting to really develop cognitively. Their language Mm -hmm. is getting more sophisticated. They have more skills, but they're really just learning. They're really not that good at figuring everything out yet. And so I think parents should be aware that. We also do see some increase in fears and worries at age three at around that time and also during times of change or transition, right? So it's very common for kids to have anxiety at the start of school. But the difference between typical and concerning would be if that anxiety isn't going away after the first week or two of school right? It's not going away when the child gets comfortable and familiar with the new situation. So the things to look for with kids are in some ways similar to adults. Is the kid's fear or anxiety so intense that it's out of proportion to what they're facing? Mm -hmm. Do they try to avoid things because of their fear? Does the fear happen almost every time that the child experiencing whatever they're afraid of, like if they're afraid of dogs, every time they see a dog, or is it happening really throughout the day and in different settings? And then is it uncontrollable? Is it so overwhelming that parents or other adults can't soothe the child or help them regulate their fears, help them with that. And lastly, if it's interfering with the child's functioning and the family's functioning or the child's development.
0: Using that example of the dogs, you're you're saying like if the child sees a dog and gets nervous, okay, this could be normal as long as they're functioning fine. But if they're at home and they wake up having nightmares about a dog, that's something that could potentially be more of a discussion.
1: Right. Or if if they really every time they see a dog, they get completely panicked, upset, start crying, try to run away. Right. It's also really about the intensity and the uncontrollability of the anxiety. Right. So that's something that is really important to be able to look at. And another thing I'd like to talk about, because you talked about the cycle of anxiety between a parent and a child. And I think one of the other things that we do as parents is try to provide reassurance mm-hmm. right away or to mm-hmm. try to jump in with a solution. So let me give an example a child is afraid to go on a play date or a birthday party and saying, Oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fun. Or, oh, I'm sure that you'll see your friend Susie there and it will be great. And that's a very normal reaction that we have because we want to Mm -hmm. go in and we want them to feel better and to come up with solutions. But I would really recommend to parents it's sort of linked to the avoidance thing. Don't jump in to try to make your child's anxiety go away. What really helps children learn to manage their anxiety is to get the message that anxiety and fear are just emotions like any emotions. We're not scared of them. Mm -hmm. Everybody feels these kind of emotions. And here are the ways that we first recognize it and then how we can help manage it I always say you want to listen, you want to acknowledge, you want to be empathetic and really give your child the opportunity to share with you what they're feeling. And then you can be very positive if you're being reassuring it's not like here's the solution but like okay well this is going to be good let's give this a try i have confidence you can do it and i'm here with you yeah. i'm here to support you oh so important same example for like when
0: parents try to reassure their children about vaccines in the office right. um right. you know they, they tell them it's not going to hurt i'm like well we can't i know parents are doing that because they're trying to just pacify them but in the sense it actually it may hurt a little bit, but you're gonna be right there with them and it's gonna be fine, you know, they'll get through it. But it's being honest, it's having those conversations because rather than false security, false, like, you know, oh, you're gonna be fine, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing right. that you need to be right. afraid of. Like, I love that and I, I thank you so much for saying that because it's like us, like, you know, I know everyone listening as an adult, you probably have some sort of fear of something. Everyone has some sort of maybe fear that's either rational or rational, whatever you want to say. But if someone were to say, oh, that's nothing, like, why are you afraid of snakes? like just touch the snake. Like it's really not going to help you to want to touch the snake rather like, Hey, here's a snake. What is it that you don't like about snakes? Like, is it that it's slimy? Is it that it slithers? Like, what is it that you don't like? It seems so obvious, but like you said, I wonder if we don't do that as parents because of our own battles with normalizing anxiety or our own uncomfortability
1: with talking about these emotions. Like, why do you think a lot of parents may have that difficulty? Well, I think it's we want to provide reassurance. And the example you gave, like with shots or something, it's kind of false reassurance, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it hurts a little bit and then it will be over, but it's not. And I think there's another piece of it that is so important, which is a child's anxieties or fears might seem really small to us, but it's big to them. And I think this is part of what I'm describing, enabling your children to have these feelings is that you're also acknowledging that you take them seriously. Yeah. That what their experience is, is their experience. It's scary to them, right? Yeah. And that you can really empathize and you see them, you hear them, right? Rather than kind of shutting it down. And, you know, we see parents i think again unintentionally can um and we were raised many people raised with these kind of phrases but even shame children like be a big boy yeah come on big boys aren't afraid you know and then what is that message we're sending our child right that it's something that because he is having that feeling there's something wrong with him and that to be good or to be a big boy he needs to not have these kind of feelings.
0: Yeah. And those feelings, like we talk about, are always going to be there. It's now exactly. that they just have to feel comfortable exactly. talking about them, exactly. which, means suppression, which means that they can't ever process these feelings. Like it's such a beautiful conversation to have with you because it is something that when parents can kind of respect this sort of dichotomy of respecting the child's feelings, embracing it, not being shameful of it, and really learn to help support them and support their own mental health, it can really lead to so many in my opinion, breakthroughs as a parent in terms of the way they approach parenting and guiding their children's emotions. So I love this conversation. I
1: so agree with you because we're talking about anxiety, but this is also about how do we teach children to develop their emotional and social capacities in life? And how do we really enable our children to know that we really we really see them, we hear them, we really understand what they're experiencing. That's where the true connection can be between other, you know, adults, but it's where there's really that true connection where growth and also a feeling of security comes from for kids. And it's such
0: a beautiful thing. I'm very honest in saying, like, I grew up in a loving household, but a household that didn't embrace mental health, Mm -hmm. diversity and concerns. You know, I'm an Indian American, even you don't have to be cultural, but a lot of stigma in the Indian Mm -hmm. American community about anxiety, depression, all of that. And as I became an adult and started to embrace it, it's like a sigh of relief you know, my partner is very much like me that he understands that there's going to be moments of sadness and worry Mm -hmm. and fear. And and you see the difference it makes in a child's life. Like the example I like to share is that when we talk about this chicken or the egg, this sort of Mm -hmm. connection, whenever I get very stressed or start crying, you know, not, we're not even talking about anxiety. Mm -hmm. We're talking about crying. My son will immediately start crying. Like immediately he'll just stare at my face and just Mm -hmm. start bawling. And I give this example because again, I don't want people to feel like they're causing that on their child. That's not the point of this. Mm -mm. This is like, there is some receptive. We're human beings. Like you said, at the beginning of this episode, that our vibe is contagious, like, especially between caregiver and child. Like I do believe that strongly that, you know, if I'm yelling and screaming, then my son is going to say, okay, this is how we communicate in this house. Or if I'm crying, he's going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And like you said, some children, And I think a lot of children, but some are more in tune with those feelings. Mm -hmm. Like you said, those empaths, those ones that are more sensitive are going to be like, oh, my gosh, like my mom, who I love dearly, is crying or is upset. This makes me feel really sad. And it's happened maybe once or twice where I've gotten emotional in front of him. It makes me more interested in the subject, right? It makes me more like, wow, like there is absolutely this connection here. And it's a positive thing. Like we could use this for good, Do you mind if I ask you something?
1: Yeah. How did you respond when your child started crying? Yeah.
0: So I was very emotional and crying because a burst pipe. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the pipe burst and there was water everywhere (laughs) and I was home alone. My dog was sliding all in it and it was very overwhelming. And I composed myself. I looked at his face and I stepped over the puddle of water and I got down and I said, Ryan, mommy was very upset and very sad. You are safe here. I'm so sorry. I was Mm. crying and I feel so much better now. And it's okay that you were scared seeing that. And he responds really well to the getting down on the ground connection. You know, like you said in this episode, it's that connection, right? Well, that's really
1: beautiful. So I think what's important in that story that you're describing is you were really upset and were overwhelmed by this feeling of being overwhelmed which is totally understandable and at the same time you were aware of what your child was feeling and experiencing so at the same time you were aware of what you're experiencing and what he was experiencing and then you were able to step in and absolutely as you're saying being you know eye to eye at his level to acknowledge what he was feeling, to give him reassurance. And the important thing to realize is it's important for our children to know that we have feelings and emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What you said is so perfect because you acknowledged feeling sad and that he's also safe. Yeah. Because those two things can happen at the same time. Right. Yeah.
0: And I think sometimes parents forget, like, because we are going to have big feelings, right? Hopefully we get to a point where if the big feelings, like if you're yelling all the time, I always tell my family like, we got to figure out why you're yelling all the time. But of course, if this yes. is the like one off that's happening, like I'm talking about right here, then we have to understand that. Yes, this is going to happen. You're not always going to be cool as a cucumber, but you have to understand what are we going to do? And you're right. Like people forget to address the child. And what we usually do with Ryan, again, like, that situation is I say like, you were sad because mommy was crying. And he's like, yes. And he's crying while he's saying that. Mm -hmm. He's like, yes, mommy was very sad. And even like now, like sometimes I'll be very tired. You know, I'm pregnant and I'm very, very tired. And so I'll be laying on the couch and he's like, mommy, very tired, like even mm-hmm. just him recognizing how I'm feeling, you know, it's such an important but remember, thing.
1: that's developmentally so important. Yeah. Look, here's this little person who's learning to read by the behaviors and actions and emotions of other people. What does this mean? Yeah. Right. And then he is seeing that and then he'll connect it to his own experience. And, you know, I also want to sort of bring in this part of the discussion that families' mental health challenges, whether it's depression or anxiety or other things, are common. Many parents are going to experience their own anxiety or depression or other mental health challenges. And part of Our job is to be able to get the help and have the social supports we need to be able to function as parents and in other ways. But it's not shameful Mm -hmm. to have a mental health challenge. And I don't think it is like, let's say there's a mom who really is struggling with her own anxiety, maybe has OCD or something like that. Being able to acknowledge this as a challenge that you're experiencing and working on is one of the ways that you can break the cycle with your child, mm-hmm. right? Because if you can say, Yeah, I sometimes have these worries. And if your kid is seeing it and say, And mommy has a doctor who's giving her help with this. And that really opens up the idea that if your child needs help at some point, it's okay to get help. Yeah. You know, you can get help in your family, but there are also special feelings doctors who can help moms and dads and kids. And I like to think of this not as anxiety or depression, but it's really about how do we live as fully as possible in being able to understand ourselves and our children and those we love emotionally and connect with them in healthy ways that help everybody in the family thrive. Yes, it's a whole
0: connection. And I can't thank you enough for this amazing conversation. You've already had so many amazing pearls and messages to share. What would be your final like, take-home message for everyone listening today?
3: Yeah, I
1: think that struggling with anxiety and worrying about how we're affecting our children can be very isolating Mm -hmm. and people can feel shame about that. And what I would just encourage parents to remember is that these kinds of challenges are so common. And so many of your friends and family members are struggling with them. And that really the power of talking about things, acknowledging challenges is really one of the first ways to get help for yourself and for your child. And I think the shame that is linked to mental health and mental health care is does so much damage, and I just would encourage parents to reach out and get help for themselves and for their kids if they need it.
0: Oh, beautifully said. And again, this was just such a great conversation. And where can my listeners find more about you and also Little
1: Otter, the resources you have there? Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much. So littleotterhealth.com is our website. And similarly on Instagram, we have a parents Facebook group. And when you come to our website, we have tons of amazing free content. And when folks come on board to register, I've created what I call the Child and Family Mental Health Checkup. It takes about 10 minutes or less questions about your child's mental health, about your mental health, and about your family's mental health and wellness. And right after you complete it, you get a detailed report which says, what does this mean and what can I do? And so, you know, we at Little Otter really are there. We provide amazing mental health care to children and families families. And we want to be the go-to place for folks to come for trusted information about mental health and giving parents an answer to that question. When should I worry? And if I'm worried, what should I do? Oh, thank you so much. And I'm going to be linking these
0: resources, obviously, to the show notes so that everyone can access it. And again, I so appreciate you looking at the whole family unit because therapy and mental health care is involving yes. you know, the couples
1: and partners and child and parent and just the parent themselves. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation and such an important topic.
0: Absolutely, and for all of the listeners tuning in today, make sure you leave a review for this episode. Dr. Helen provided so many amazing tips and resources and just compassion for all of the things that we go through as parents. and. I wanna make sure that you call her out if you love this episode. Say, I love Dr. Helen's episode and I just can't wait to bring on more guests to have these important and necessary conversations about parenthood, mental health, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc talk TV. We'll talk to you soon.